Hey there, folks. It's the co-host, Cody Michael here. Uh, before we start the show this week, just want to make a quick show note. Uh, Seth and I had a pretty lengthy discussion about the Oscar nominations as a part of this week's show uh, that caused it to run super long. And so rather than post a two and a half hour plus show, I've broken off the Oscar conversation into a second episode. And so you should see that also in your podcast feed. So you'll hear us talking about it uh, during the podcast proper, but keep a lookout in your podcast feed for a episode 78.5, which will be exclusively our Oscar discussions. All right. Thanks a lot. Check it out. Well, I'm in a good mood. Are you? And, yeah, I, I very much am, and we'll get into that in just a bit. But first, we got to welcome folks in. This is episode seventy-eight of the SoCo Show. This is the ugh, I almost didn't get it right. This is the co-host Cody Michael, and I'm joined as always by the <laughs> so-host Seth Ott. No, I'm the co-host. You're the so-host. You could be the co-host if you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, another big week. A lot of stuff going on on the show today. We had the Oscar nominations come out uh, today. We had the NFL Conference Championships. Um, I suppose we'll talk about that a little bit during sports. Um, And uh, some pretty fun news, too, uh, including a a trailer that I know you're uh, looking forward to talking about. So uh, a lot of stuff going on uh, in the show this week. So, yeah, this this week um, I had the chance to... Uh, experience something that I know you you'll probably be a little jealous of. So, as you know, I'm a I'm an escape room aficionado. Love my escape rooms. I'll play any escape rooms that I can. And one recently opened up in Cedar Rapids that did things a little differently. Uh, it's a little, little unique. So th- is, they put it in an old bank, and this this uh, escape room is uh, you, the whole the whole thing was a bank heist. So you had to. Um, go into like the the teller where the tellers were and like find different clues there with black lights. Um, you had to go like to the teller window with the drive up and find some stuff there, like written on the on the the glass. And it was a whole thing. They use a whole entire basically side of one bank. But to get to the the best parts of it, you have to get into a bank vault. So you they they use the actual bank vault uh-huh. and they, they hide clues for the combination on the. And throughout the, the place, and then you, once you get into the bank vault and open it up, again a legitimate, actual bank vault. You open it up, and there's lasers everywhere. What? And there's motion censored lasers flying all around the room, and so like fucking uh, Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible, I army crawled under the lasers, and then put my finger on like a on a, a sensor that got rid of all the lasers. It was pretty awesome. I felt like I was Ethan Hunt. Get the so fuck I know out. I, <laughs> <laughs> so I figured you'd be uh, you'd be pretty pretty impressed by my Ethan Hunt skills. Uh, yeah, that's one of the most amazing things I've heard, um, and I'm actually really bummed that I didn't get to see it. <laughs> so yeah, I got to be Ethan Hunt this week, and you didn't. Well, that's pretty goddamn cool. I got to be uh, I got to be James Bond a little bit. I rode on a snowmobile, and uh, <laughs> no, I know what you're thinking, and no, I did not hum the James Bond theme song in my head while i was doing okay i did um but that's besides <laughs> the point uh basically we were both spies this weekend and that's pretty fucking sweet it's true spies like us spies like you and i uh well these two spies got a lot of stuff to talk about today so let's jump into it and we're gonna start like we always do with she tweets i call you a punk all right well we know 
that the Iron Sheik is a big fan of football. And we've talked in the past that the Iron Sheik is a big fan of one player in particular. And that player is Tom Brady. So this this week during the games, of course, Tom Brady proved me wrong and everyone else wrong that he is still one of, if not the best quarterback in the NFL still playing today. And so Iron Sheik had to had to comment. The first one, this is before the game started. Uh, Iron Sheik says, win, lose, or, or the draw. <laughs> Tom Brady have the sex tonight. Yeah, he did. Lots of those. Lots of those in there. And then this one was uh, after the game. Of course, Tom Brady pulls off the victory. Um, the Iron Sheik says, the Tom Brady, the Iron Sheik of the football. So high praise. <laughs> Tom Brady is Iron Sheik class. I like it. It's true. So uh, very Tom Brady-centric Iron Sheik tweets of the week. I love it. Great stuff. I call you a punk. Got to shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get your first 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Beep. <laughs> Lots of good stuff on Audible. Make sure you're checking that out. Uh, next is Mathis Designs. Hit the link in the description box. It's etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all of your graphic design and stationary needs. Cha-ching. And my personal favorite is Mike's Wood, which is available... <laughs> Available on Etsy.com slash shop slash corn fed and wed. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to stop doing that one because I, you gross it's devolved. me out. It's devolved from saying wood to just now grunts. It's it's hor- It's the kind of grunt that um, that you don't want. Like, you know, uh, in Accept or, uh, Dodgeball when Justin Long is cleaning the, the car and that guy is playing with his belly button? <laughs> It's that grunt is what it is. Get in there nice and deep like. And I, it creeps me out. I don't like it. God. Uh, all right. Let's get the fuck away from that so you quit making that sound. Uh, I am maybe as excited as I've ever been to talk sports. Sports. And boom goes the dynamite. Well, well, That's well. That's right. The World Ballerina competitions are going on this week, and Cody's super pumped. <laughs> of course, we're going to start... Uh, talking about the conference championships in the NFL, uh, two classics this week uh, that a lot of people, for various reasons, <laughs> are going to be talking about for a long time. Uh, our first game this weekend was the NFC Conference Championship, and uh, the Rams, Boo. the Rams defeated the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans Boo. by a field goal in overtime. Technicality in, in one of the uh, <laughs> one of the best officiated games I've ever seen. I think. <laughs> You know, I think th- what 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 I saw was a fair game that was called down the middle, and you know they just let them play. I think is the is the main thing, and the Rams just showed that they're more talented uh, than the Saints. And I think Jared Goff solidified himself as you know one of the one of the best couple quarterbacks in football. Obviously, better than Drew Brees, and <laughs> clearly the Rams played an entire game deserving of an NFC Championship. I couldn't even say that. Uh, with a straight face. So the Rams came out looking like dog shit. They couldn't hear anything. Goff's helmet wasn't working. Uh, the Saints jumped out to a 13-0 lead pretty quickly. And then the Rams just kind of chipped back in and mm-hmm. ended up uh, tying the game at 20 with about five minutes left when uh, the the only thing you've heard about if you've been paying attention to this game happened, and that's the, the no call on the pass interference. 
<laughs> the NFL blitz like pass interference. It did look like a lot of uh, NFL blitz. <laughs> you know what's funny about that call, and that's what it's what everyone is going to be talking about here. Um, yeah, and it was a missed call. I will give you that, but let. And this isn't even me as a Rams fan. I will I will remove my Rams hat for this next 10 seconds or 30 seconds or however long I go on about this. One call Four does hours. not a game make. They had The Saints had multiple chances to win the game after that. And there's no way to guarantee that the kicker would have made that field goal even if that was, you know, even if they did have the opportunity to get the foul, run the clock down and kick it. There's no guarantees. So all the people saying that the Saints should be given the game or that they should go back and play it again, this is a part of football. There are plays missed. There were there were calls missed on behalf of the Rams during this game. So this whole thing about like reviewing penalties and all that other stuff, I'm not here for it, and I think it's BS. Now, back to me as a Rams fan. Very definitely thought we had lost that game when the when I saw that hit get made because I thought for sure here comes a flag, uh, and was very relieved to see that there wasn't one. And then <laughs> and then from that point on, I think the most important thing is from that point on. The Saints crumbled, and they did, and the Rams stepped up. And mm-hmm. that's the difference between, like, the Saints didn't deserve to be in the Super Bowl because of how they finished the game after that and because of a lot of stuff that happened before. Drew Brees was bad in this game. He didn't do hardly anything, and he threw uh, an awful interception in overtime uh, that the Rams were able to capitalize on. And no one is talking about Greg Zerline kicking a 48-yarder to tie it and a 57-yarder to win it. For some reason, no one has mentioned that. And Goff played incredibly. The last two passes Goff completed, maybe the only other quarterback that completes both those passes is Patrick Mahomes. And mm-hmm. and the Rams just came out and won without Todd Gurley. And and the defense stepped up. The Rams played a great football game. It's unfortunate that it's going to be kind of black-eyed by that no call. But the Rams played great. It was a good football game. And I think the better team on this day, if you look at the entirety of the game, was the Rams. I mean, it just watching that... Even from, even, I know I'm biased, but t- tell me you think differently. I thought the Rams just looked like the better team for, if you look at the entirety of that game. I have to agree with a lot of, a lot of what you said. Going back to the, going back to the penalty, uh, that's exactly what you said about how the, there is still the entire rest of the game. That's exactly what I said. Look, when I saw some tweets saying Rams win with an asterisk, I was like, no. One, penalties are part of the game. Re- mm-hmm. Officiating is a part of the game. If you were to go back and look at every single playoff uh, victory game, whatever the case may be, there's going to be some sort of quote unquote asterisk with officiating. Um, I could I could still be bitter about am a little bit uh, about looking back to the last time the Saints played an NFC Championship game in in, in their in their stadium, 2009 against the Vikings. One that pass Brett Favre threw an interception on, roughing the passer, that would have been called now. Two overtime when the Saints won. There wasn't even the touchdown rule then. It was first score wins. The rule has changed because of that. Yeah. That the Saints won on a field goal because they had the first possession, kicked field goal and won it. This year after that, that's when the rule changed. So I could go back and complain about that. I am a little bit right now, but I'm still <laughs> <laughs> but but I accept it. It happened. Same thing here. You're I get the situation. I get it was huge. I get it was potentially the game. But that's part of the game. Mm-hmm. It was what the ref saw in that moment. If what what they could do to solve that next year is I don't know maybe have maybe you can challenge penalties now I don't know but that it happened get over it um, two is that Goff 
did impress me quite a bit. There, the the thing against Goff the entire year has been if he's under pressure and he's getting hit, he's going to miss passes every time, which has been his track record. But in this game, there's three or four passes that I remember where he got hit or had someone in his face and he completed them. Mm-hmm. He stepped up big time. Like you mentioned, there's no girly. There's no girly in the game. They they're down. You know they they they're down Cooper Cup, which they've been for a long time. But they still don't have their best talented receivers. Josh Reynolds, their third wide receiver, stepped up big time in this game. Yep. And Jared Goff stepped up big time in this game, completing passes that he honestly hasn't in his career. So that I mean that that shows you something. Plus the defense stepped up. I mean the Saints they scored twenty points. 23, um, 20, yeah. 23, 23 points. Um, they've been scoring a lot more than that this year. So the defense st- stepped up this this week. I, I mean, I agree as a whole. The Rams played a better game in total. Now the Saints came out hot and looked better for the first entire first half, but then the Rams played better in the second half and in overtime when it mattered. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with what you said. I, I unfortunately agree with what you said because I didn't want to <laughs> see the Saints win. Yeah, but, and, uh, <laughs> and I would have liked that too, honestly. Like, I I'm I feel just as robbed of the Breeze Brady thing, you know, as everyone else. Because as a fan of the wider NFL, that would have been exciting to see. But Drew Breeze did not play like he wanted to get into the Super Bowl in this game. The Saints came out. Yep. You don't get the ball to Michael Thomas in this game. They couldn't run the football. Uh, they played poor defense for most of the game, and, mm-hmm. and they just did not. This was not a Super Bowl team, and the Rams were mm-hmm. the better team today or on Sunday. And so, you know, say what you'll about the call. I agree that it was a missed call. Stop with the bullshit about the Saints should have won that. You know, just stop. Just stop. So the Rams look great. I, I, I'm really excited by what I've seen in the Rams in the playoffs. And we're not going to preview the Super Bowl this week. We'll do that next week. But uh, I will just say that what I've seen in the playoffs so far is very heartening. And I, I'm really excited to see what they can do in the Super Bowl. Uh, they are gonna be it's going to be a good one. <laughs> it should be a good one because they're going up against Tom Brady and the Patriots. And my favorite thing about this, and it, it, of course we'll get coverage over the next couple weeks, Tom Brady's first Super Bowl was against the Rams 17 years mm-hmm. ago. And uh, I remember I remember very vividly watching that entire game and having mm-hmm. my like 12-year-old heart just shattered by Tom Brady. <laughs> and I've I've made my way around to being a huge fan of Tom since then, but uh, there were there was a couple days in there where I would have murdered him if you had put him in a room with me. And uh, it's very exciting to see his career. There's speculation that if he wins, he could retire. It would be kind of cool to see that come full circle. Now, I'm very hopeful and um, a little bit confident that it will not go that way. But yeah. uh, the Patriots won a very good game against the Chiefs this week. It had its own officiating drama in it. Um, but I think what what Tom Brady and the Patriots came out and did is what we talked about last week, was they came out, they limited the best players. Uh, Tyreek yep. Hill had like one catch or some shit like that. Um, yep. Kelsey didn't get much done. I think he scored the touchdown, but he didn't, he didn't have a lot. Mahomes, I think, threw for under 300 yards. He wasn't great. They held him scoreless in the first half. Yep. And then they totally neutralized the front, the really good front four of the Chiefs. Um, and Brady wasn't touched in the entire game. Uh, he's gonna re- <laughs> he's gonna rewear his jersey from that game because it didn't even get dirty. <laughs> and you know they attacked all of the things that made the Chiefs great and made them look bad. The Chiefs, I think, had a very valiant effort in the second half and put yep. themselves back in a position to win. Mahomes was fantastic in the second half. But the Patriots came out and did exactly what the Patriots do. They 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 said, "Here's a good team. How do we make them look bad?" And then they just did that. And it was it was mm-hmm. really cool to watch. And Brady was just fucking perfect, especially in overtime. Oh, the dimes he yeah. was dropping. He dropped. You could have you could have bought 
a net, uh, you could have rented a movie from Blockbuster for a week with the dimes that Tom Brady dropped in the fourth quarter in overtime of that game. Like I don't know if I could because uh, you're the only one of the one around you. So well, send send uh, me your send me your Tom Brady dimes and I'll get you a DVD. <laughs> we're all gonna use Redbox like an actual person who can rent movies. There you go. I guess maybe I'm stuck in the past, but yeah, you could rent a Redbox <laughs> with all the dimes that Brady was dropping. He was incredible in that game. Gronk. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was a Gronk sighting. He showed back up. And made yeah, some three huge catches. plays. Yeah, three yeah. huge catches. Like, three of yep. the biggest catches of the game. And yep. uh, and the defense was great. I mean, and they ended up giving yep. up, like, 31 points. But but that's about all you can hope for against this Chiefs team. Yeah. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the spotlight was too big for the Chiefs or if the Patriots just overwhelmed them. But this is a, this is a Patriots team that came into Arrowhead and did all of this in the noise. And I was yep. just infinitely impressed by what the Patriots were to, with what they put together this week. Oh yeah, I again agree with everything you said there. Uh, so, with with Tom Brady, um, I, I mean, I've been talking, and a lot of people have been talking, just how he has, and and if you look at his tape from this year, it looked like he had missed a step. Mm-hmm. You know, it looked like his passes were short. He was missing people. They didn't have a, quite as much zip on him. But these last two games, you couldn't tell that at no. all. Um, there was. There was three or four passes that were like 30, 40 yards deep that had perfect spirals, made it perfectly to the receiver. Um, he was dropping them in. He was, if, if they needed to be bullets, they were bullets. If they needed to be lobs, they were lo- like, I mean, he was he was doing everything. Tom Brady was absolutely incredible um, in this game. The run game was was, was Sony Michelle. Um, I was doubting him a little bit with some of the injuries. He proved me wrong. He, he had like 119 yards and a touchdown and it just like, and that team was running on full cylinders. In terms of what you're saying about is it the is it the the Chiefs not stepping up? I I don't think that's it. I think it's the Patriots. I think it's the Patriots just doing what the Patriots do, and that's be elite, and that's that's be have the best coaching, um, with the the best coach players. Again, not maybe the most talented team in the world, but definitely the best coach team, the best team unit. They they're they're just an incredible team, and the thing. So I've always I've been on the Tom Brady is the is the goat train for several years now, but I've I'm I'm now completely like Tom Brady is is one of my favorite players because one if you see him if you saw him at the end of that game he was so happy yeah a guy a guy who's been in the Super Bowl this will be his what twelfth time in the Super Bowl <laughs> it seems like it <laughs> uh, I think it is I think it's I this will be nine I think that this will be nine really this is his eighteenth season as a starter his ninth Super Bowl. Fucking half yeah. the time Brady is in the Super Bowl. He was like, he's been there so many times, but he was fucking ecstatic. He was jumping everywhere. He was so happy. Then the thing that I, now he's my, my favorite player. I don't know if you saw this, not my favorite player, but one of them after the game, there's a video of him just like they're walking to the bus. Have you seen this? Yeah. Him and Gronk just smirking. Oh my God. And they're doing the, the. We ain't yeah. go nowhere, and, and and those two are just fucking swag walk into the bus, and and then they play the the video of them winning in overtime with him freaking out. I'm like, okay, that is fucking perfect. Yeah, um, this dude, and the, the thing that's great about it too, everyone is doubting them, myself included. I was doubting them. Everyone is doubting them. They go in there, they win the game, um, with and, and like you said, they were they were convincingly winning the game through the entire first half and the chiefs, you know, came back at the end and made a valiant effort, but they, they just came in there and did what they did what they needed to do and overcame the, the onslaught and 
They just are the Patriots. And seeing Tom Brady still pumped up about it, still confident about it, even being the underdog, and he's still going in. The the the, the Rams are the one they're a one point favorite going in the Super Bowl. So they're still the underdog. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna and, and Tom Brady's just like, bring it on, bitches, I'm here. Yeah. I, like I I am a huge fan of Tom Brady. Um I will be I, I know we won't talk Super Bowl preview yet who we think will win but i will be rooting for tom brady in this one um i i just want to see him i would love to see him I, I know he won't retire even if he wins he won't retire but it would be cool to see him go out like that but at the same time um i love watching him play he's he's still doing his thing and uh yeah it was it was it was great i loved watching it this is i i texted you after the game and said i can't lose the super bowl uh i'm <laughs> now don't get me wrong i'm a diehard rams fan and i will never root against them but if they have to lose, if it's to Tom Brady, I I guess I can't be that upset. Like, yeah. And and he's just you 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 hit it on the head. Why he is my favorite player is because he still every single time gets super jacked when he wins, mm-hmm. and um and I love that. And then the other thing, you know, he 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 missed Mahomes on the side or on the field after the game to shake hands. And so he, mm-hmm. he went to the locker room to talk to him afterwards. And I guess they had a conversation yep. and like that, that's the kind of stuff that you want the face of the fucking sport to do, you know? And, yep. and as a quick jab, uh, that's why Aaron Rodgers is not even fucking close to being the goat yep. is because he never does shit like that. And mm-hmm. frankly, I don't think he could have won that game. Um, but you know, Brady was fantastic. The whole team was, this was a better coached team and a better executing team the the Chiefs had a chance to put the game away with an interception that went through Gronk's hands near the end of the fourth quarter, and yep. it's negated because of an offsides total fucking boneheaded offsides call that cost them the game. Mm-hmm. And team veteran teams like the Patriots never do that. You know, it's it was crazy. I, I was sitting there thinking, watching this game too. Um, while this is all happening, when Brady's going down to 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 win it and every or because they they were down with like a minute or so left or something, right? Yeah. And he comes down and wins it. I was just sitting there watching like, this dude is 40 some years old. Mm-hmm. He's older than the head coach of the Rams. And we've been watching him do this for really our entire football watching lives. Yeah. You know, like that's incredible that he's doing like, even if he, if, if this was, if Tom Brady was, uh, you know, 32 doing this, you know, or tw- 28, 29 doing this, we'd still be like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. But he's forty something doing this. Just he and it, it's every year he just does this. Like it's a shock when the when the Patriots lose in this, and it doesn't happen very often. But it's a shock when they lose in this scenario. Mm-hmm. It's like how did that happen? But it's automatic for them essentially. And it, I think the because he's been doing it for so long and and seeing what he does, like people, everyone is rooting for the Rams in this game. Everyone <laughs> yeah. outside, everyone outside of New England is rooting for the Rams in the Super Bowl. But and then again, like everyone's rooting for the Chiefs, but you hate him. You hate Tom, like all these people hate Tom Brady, but they respect him because they know how good he is. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the people in the world are they, you know, they they realize that he's the goat. I mean, there's still people who are like, oh, Joe Montana is better. Oh, blah blah blah. Those people are stupid. The majority of people, there's not an argument to be made. He's he's the best of all time. They still hate him, but they respect him, mm-hmm. and that's the cool thing. Like. If they go into the Super Bowl and he's just going out there throwing dimes and, you know, doing what he does and the Patriots win that game, people are going to be like, I fucking hate that the Patriots won the Super Bowl, but you can't you can't be mad at it. Right. You know, 
And and that that's the incredible thing. It's like the you compare LeBron and MJ, and there there's a case to be made on either side. There's not a case to be made. Nope. For for Tom Brady, not at all. Not even close. There, there's there's it, it's just insane. He does it every single year. And we've been talking about this for three four years now about how Tom Brady is the best of all time. He's still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> He's just only adding to it. It's absolutely insane. And and. To, I mean, I don't even understand hating him at this point. Like, I can understand being upset seeing some team win over and over again, but how can you hate the guy? He's a class act. He He's the best of all time. He's still the, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, he, he just and he does it in a respectful way. I, I And he's a little funny about it, too. He's a little cocky, too. But, <laughs> yep. well, I mean, it, he, he's everything. It's it's awesome. Yeah, he, he, he does it all. He um he even had he had another video. Uh, I don't think he made it himself, but he was talking to like Edelman, and he was mm-hmm. like, "I'm old, you're slow, we have no talent, the defense stinks, but we're going to the Super Bowl." <laughs> yeah, and I think he cussed during it too, and it was funny. But like, yeah, I love Brady. I mean, there's not a lot of things I love uh, even on the same page as the Rams, but Brady might be on that same page. Um, yeah, and it's gonna be really fun to watch that game. I'm really excited to see how it goes. I think they match up great, and uh, we'll talk about that at length next week and make our official picks. Uh, but we are we are rolling toward uh, Super Bowl 53, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be awesome. Anyway, make sure you come back uh, next week and hear me talk about why the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. With that, let's keep rolling forward, and we're going to get to our one-word summaries. Summaries is the segment where Seth has scoured the internet for the wackiest and usually grossest news stories in <laughs> circulation, and he's going to describe three stories with one word apiece. Based on those one word summaries, I will choose the story that we will talk about today. Um, don't worry, though, if we don't choose the one word you wanted us to talk about, you can find the links to all of these stories in the description box. Uh, so you can read them on your own. Uh, also in the description box, you're going to find all the topics that we discussed today and links to a bunch of the fun stuff, including our sponsors. So make sure you're checking out the description box for all of that fun stuff. Seth, what do we got this week for one word summaries? Your words are injecting, chewing, and restaurant. Hmm. God, these are all going to get gross real quick. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with chewing. Damn it. <laughs> This one's my second favorite one. This one, this first one, is one I really wanted you to pick, but uh, you can read it later. Um, so injecting was man hospitalized after injecting own semen to treat back pain. What the fuck? <laughs> There's an x-ray of it. Oh, no. <laughs> you can see the semen in the man's arm. Oh, my God. <laughs> That is, I don't want any next. Oh, God. And then restaurant was, Paris's first nude restaurant closes for lack of business. The restaurant's called Au Naturel as well. Oh, I would go to, nah, I wouldn't go to that. No, I don't want naked no bodies around my. Definitely don't want a pube ending up in your fucking uh, burger or anything. They don't require shaving? That's a shame. That's fucking Paris, man. Oh, They're yeah. Wild. They require not shaving there. Exactly. <laughs> Chewing is woman's lawyer suggests chewing coat caused high blood alcohol level. What? To get her out of a <laughs> the fucking woman... ticket or something? Yeah. The woman's lawyer claims certain substances in, used in coat fabrics can alter the results of a blood test. 
Oh, an attorney for a Pennsylvania woman charged with drunken driving hinted his client's clo- coat chewing could have thrown off the results for her breath test. Why the fuck she chewing coats? Uh, the Press Enterprise reports the argument came during a hearing Tuesday for the 47-year-old Jaina Mashkat. An officer who pulled over who pulled Mashkat over testified she was nibbling on her coat before he gave her the breath test, God. and that he ordered her to stop. <laughs> Hey, lady, stop. <laughs> Ma'am, stop nibbling on your coat, please. <laughs> Moshkat's lawyer, uh, Travis Petty, of uh, he's the, the, brother, the brother of Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers, uh, asked the bro- officer if he knew the chemical composition of the coat, noting that certain substance, substances can alter the results of the test. Uh, Moshkat's test showed her blood alcohol level was 0.0, nearly twice the legal limit for drivers in Pennsylvania. So she had a lot of coat coat uh, substances in her body uh, how the is there any coat says, if she ate that much coat what was she wearing <laughs> the coat was just hanging out of her mouth <laughs> the officer says Mashkat also smelled of alcohol and failed a field sobriety test um, so apparently coats make you drunk too um, the judge ruled there is enough evidence to send the charges to trial so yeah apparently chewing on your coat uh, can result in uh, high blood alcohol contents and making you drunk Man, that's that's bad information for me to know because I'm gonna I'm gonna try that now. <laughs> like if I'm ever out of beer, I'm just gonna start gnawing on my fucking coats. You should. Also, uh, shout out to the writer of this article for using nibbling. You don't hear about <laughs> you don't hear about a lot of nibbles uh, <laughs> in the news this the, as around <laughs> ever actually. So that's pretty entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm sending you the. <laughs> sending you the articles and it sends a, a, a picture preview of all of them mm-hmm. and the one for the jizz one is the, the x-ray oh my god do you see it yet yes ew <laughs> just it's like a spot for jizz right in his arm what a moron the the thumbnail for the nude restaurant is also hilarious <laughs> Oh my God! You oh. folks, please, please check out the description box and, and take a look at what we're seeing here. Um, <laughs> all, all great stuff. This oh week. no! <laughs> oh no! What are you talking? About? What? It, the 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 tagline <laughs> for the jizz one? Oh no! I doc- see it. Oh no! <laughs> Doctors in Ireland didn't see this coming. God! You can, uh, sh- here's to the writer of the Huff Post article. Thanks, Huff Post. <laughs> really really well done oh that's good wow i can't really really tugging at my heartstrings <laughs> i don't i don't like this i don't want to think about it it's giving me the heebs we're gonna move on this has been one word summaries there's only one word to describe you and i'm gonna spell it out for you it's giving me the heebs is definitely the the title for this week <laughs> uh let's move on we've got a couple fun pieces of tv news that's what she said. TV. Seth, one of the big shows this uh, this year that got some Golden Globes attention was Homecoming, the Amazon uh, Amazon Prime original. Uh, Homecoming has been approved for a second season, but it sounds like one of the major cast members is not going to be in that second season. Not even just the, a major cast member, the cast member, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the star of the show, uh, Julia Roberts, is not going to return for season two, which is weird. Um, because she played Heidi Bergman, who is the 
the psychiatrist and the lead of the show. Now, it sounds like uh, Stephen James, uh, who played Walter Cruz, who was the other lead of the show, quite not quite as much, is going to be returning. And I don't know about Bobby Cannavale. I, I hope he returns. I really liked his character. It just seems weird that she's not coming back. And I get it. She's a star. She's going to make movies more than she's going to do TV. Uh, I hope they can tell this story in a way that makes sense. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but I talked about it with you. This, this, so Homecoming is based off of a podcast initially. And they it's set up in a very similar way. I, again, I 100% recommend watching Homecoming. Um, but I would also recommend listening to the podcast because I did end up listening to all of the podcasts. And turns out that the the first season of the show is kind of a mixture of, of both seasons of the podcast. So I wasn't really spoiled by anything. And obviously it wasn't spoiled by anything because Julia Roberts is not coming back. But... Um, I'd recommend checking out both and it, with hearing both and watching the the show and listening to the podcast, it's weird that she's not coming back. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm still very interested to see what they do with the show, especially now that the kind of the premise of the podcast is gone a little bit, but I don't know. I, I'd love for her to come back, but it, it's going to be a little weird. Well, that's yeah. unfortunate for them. Uh, no Julia Roberts in Homecoming Season 2. Uh, yeah, going to be interested to see how they handle that, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, very excited for this next. I don't often get excited for TV news because um, I'm not as much of a TV fan as you, but this this piece of news does have me excited. Apparently, uh, Netflix is going to be working on a new series starring Steve Carell and mm-hmm. the creator or one of the head one of the top guys from The Office – um, on the on the behind the camera side, I don't remember who it is, but one of the top guys from the office is also involved, and this is going to be a show called Space Force, which <laughs> I'm guessing is going to be some sort of parody of, you know, Trump's new Space Force that we're I guess going to get, and so this just that in and of itself, Steve Carell, the Office creator, Space Force is all I need to know to get really excited for this, and it's getting put out on Netflix. Yeah, I, I am uh, definitely intrigued to see this. I know Steve Carell's kind of making a pushback in a TV because he's also doing that Apple show with Jennifer Anderson. And uh, I can't remember who the other star is. So he's going to be back on TV uh, in streaming anyway. The Someone made a good point about this um, on a podcast I was listening to. Netflix is going to be losing The Office soon because NBC, uh, Universal technically, has their own streaming service coming out, I think, in 2020. And so they're looking kind of to have a replacement in a way for The Office, and this could potentially be it. So um, I hope it's not just a rehash of The Office with, <laughs> with you know, space. I hope he's not playing exactly Michael Scott or anything like that. But, uh, you know, it's Netflix is interesting right now with, with what they're doing, uh, with, you know, kind of raising prices and the money they're losing, but the money they're bringing in and all this stuff. So... Um, their, their business, their business model is very, uh, intriguing coming up. And a lot of the, the a lot of the stuff they're putting out is going to be very intriguing to see too, because it could just be a lot of carbon copies of stuff that's already on there that people love to, to watch. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think, you know, I'm okay with a total cookie cutter comedy. Uh, if it's in the, if it's doing, if it's kind of lampooning the whole idea of the space force, I, I am so in, I think it could be hilarious. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of thinking like the Orville a little bit, which has had really high ratings and something that I think I'm going to try to check out soon. Um, I think it may be sort of in that vein. I don't know. But Steve Carell back on TV has me excited enough. One of the one of the handful of shows that I have loved in my life has been The Office. So 
Yeah. We'll keep an eye out for this one. I think a lot of people are going to be checking it out on day one. Uh, no release date, anything like that yet, uh, but we did have a teaser. Uh, I'll link to the teaser in the description box. You can check it out for yourself. That's going to do it for TV news this week, uh, but Seth did just finish yet another Netflix series. Let's get into the TV corner. That's in my TV corner. Seth, I want to blow you. Woo! The exciting conclusion of uh, a little bit of a Oh, maybe not a surprise, but uh, but a show that we've been keeping up with for the last couple of years based on a beloved series of books we read as kids. Uh, we had the, the conclusion of the Lemony Snicket uh, series of unfortunate events on Netflix. So w- what do we have in season three? Uh, more of the same. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, Lemony Snicket season three, a series of unfortunate events season three. The the finale. This is the, the last of the last of the books. Um Hmm. What do I say about it? So it, it it's so season one, I really liked a lot. Um, and I think you liked a lot, too, right? You saw it all, all season one. Yeah, I, I, I watched, I think, all of season one and then a part of season two. But I really did enjoy it. So, yeah, season one was was really was really enjoyable. It was fun. It was uh, some good performances all around. Season two kind of just had a lull for me. Um, it was it was I don't know. It was just there. Season three started off kind of in that same lull, but the last like three episodes really had me hooked because then they started revealing everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. Like all the stuff they'd set up from from the from season two and the beginning of season three was revealed and they did it in a really interesting way. That being said though, um I had to go through albeit a shorter season, still like five hours to get to that point. Really, if I go to last season, like thirteen hours to get to that point. I, obviously everyone comes back like every single character from the entire series comes back at least for like the last few episodes you still get the same neil patrick harris performance of of uh of uh olaf which he's actually i mean at the end though the way they send him out at the end actually is really satisfying and it's it's uh kind of brings it all full circle which is nice um the kids are good um it's really weird because I don't know what the time frame this is all supposed to be, like how long this is all supposed to be. But like the fucking, they all are clearly older, like a lot. <laughs> um, but the baby is like, can talk, actually talk now. Whereas like before, it, like it would just like make a noise, mm-hmm. you know, in the first season. It was, a, it was a real baby. Now it's like a fucking toddler. So that's weird. And they don't really ever explain. I think they maybe mention it in the second season. Like she's, you know, she's crowing a lot or something like that. And this season she's grown even more. They don't mention it. Um, you get all the hench people back. Uh, you get some people back that I really loved. Um, Lucy Hale, who's the British chick. Um, she was in that Ben and Kate show. She's been in a bunch of other comedies. Um, the blonde British chick. You know who I'm oh, talking yeah, about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. I do like her. Um, she plays the girlfriend of Olaf and she's pretty great. My favorite character in the entire series by far though is Carmelita. Did you see her in the second season? I don't remember. She's a little, she has little, she's a short girl, always wears pink, has, has a uh, red hair and she's like, she calls everyone cake sniffers. Okay. No, I definitely didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> she calls everyone cake sniffers and she sings a lot. She's like very, just like center of attention. She's like me, me, me. She always battles with Olaf about like being the star of something or like being in charge or whatever. My, I just love when she calls people cake sniffers. <laughs> um, anyway, she, she's back in the season. I didn't know if she'd be back or not. Cause she was like, she was in like two episodes. She was in the two episodes of last season of the, the prep school that they were in. Mm. And that was it. And so she came back in this one. And I was very happy. She came back from the beginning. So she kind of joined Olaf and her, her group. 
I don't know, though. Like, this show, it had such a strong start. And I think part of it, too, was, like, the first season was basically the movie. the Like, when they made the movie. So they took the movie and kind of um, added to it and, like, almost perfected it in a way. And then they just didn't have, like, they had the books to work off of, but it just kind of lost something for me. Yeah. All the way until the last two or three episodes. I don't know what it was, if it was the charm, it was the, if it was, I don't know, like, the flow of it. I don't know. But, like, they had a, a lot of really cool guest stars in the entire in the entire run. Like, they had Nathan Fillion. They had Allison Williams in a lot of this. They had uh, Will Arnett and, uh, and I always want to say Robin, Smar- Robin Sparkles, but it's uh, Colby <laughs> Smulders. They just, I mean, they had a lot of really good guest stars in this. And for whatever reason, they just, like, Allison Williams was, didn't, she seemed bored when she was acting in this show. Mm. <laughs> like, I just don't know what it was about the show. Like, towards the end, it just didn't quite, or like from the second season and in the middle of the, the third season, it just didn't quite get me. The, but the last few episodes were excellent. I was hooked because they kept un, un, unraveling the mystery. Maybe they needed to unravel the mystery more throughout it and just kind of give you a little bit more and more as opposed to just throwing it all at the end and adding to the mystery the entire time. I don't know. It, it just, I was frustrated watching this at times. Um, I would say if you're a fan of the books, probably watch it because I'm sure you have a lot more to, to add to it. But I, I don't know if I can completely recommend even finishing it if you haven't watched it before because it's just so much to get through. Even though it's shorter seasons, it's a lot to get through, um, especially if, if you're just not been invested. Um, I was I was excited when I was done, <laughs> just because it was it, it was it was kind of a trek. Because the last three episodes were actually pretty gripping and and I enjoyed them, it's getting a little bit higher score. Um, I'm I'm probably gonna give it like I'll go like three point three Carmelitas out of five. Ah, three point three Carmelitas is what I ate for breakfast. <laughs> Well, there you have it. Uh, sad to hear it, but uh, but this is why we come to Seth, folks, to filter out the crap. So uh, may, maybe uh, <laughs> I'm a crap filter. Yeah, crap filter, Seth. Everybody, um, <laughs> if you're a fan of, give me your crap. <laughs> if you're a fan of unfortunate events, uh, check this one out and see how it ends. Otherwise, maybe a pass on uh, Netflix's Lemony Snicket. So a rare low rating, but uh, a necessary one nonetheless. This week in the TV corner. That's in my TV corner. Seth, I want to blow you. Woo! So last week we talked about Christopher McQuarrie's impending return to uh, the next two Mission Impossible movies, and I was very happy by that. Um, we also talked about uh, the Uncharted film that's coming out this year, seeking a new director. So uh, a lot of directors in the news this last week, so we thought it'd be a good time to count down our top five favorite directors in Mambo number no. 5. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. I'm pretty excited about this. It was very hard for me because I started, I was like, who's a director I like? And I started writing down, I have 10. And it was very hard to cut any out. So uh, I, I think listeners of the show and friends of mine will, will probably not be surprised uh, at my number one. But I'm, I'm interested to hear yours because I don't know that I often hear you talk about directors um, and, and what you think of their work. So I'll, this is going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm intrigued to hear what you got. Number five. I am, I struggle with my order. I, I'm confident in my top five, but I struggled with my order. So we'll, we'll see how this goes as we go along. Um, I'm going to come in with number five as Edgar Wright. Oh, that's a good yeah, one. Did, did he make your list? No, he didn't, but that'd be a good honorable mention. Yeah. So Edgar Wright, uh, of course, my favorite movie of all time, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, it was an Edgar Wright film. 
And then uh, Baby Driver, most recently. Of course, the Cornetto trilogy, which is uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End, all great. Um, a lot of Ant-Man uh, was Edgar Wright before he was kicked off of it or, or quit it. Um, I just really enjoy his style. It's very quick and very sort of constantly funny, right? He never really takes scenes off, which I really enjoy. Uh, the way he uses music in all of his movies, not just Baby Driver, I think is super fun. And it's just really all, I've not seen a movie of his that I haven't really enjoyed. And, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of, and I can tell that it's his direction that I enjoy because as I look down his list of movies, I can, I can think about the things specifically from movie to movie that I like the most. And so I, I really dig Wright's style. I think it's super fun. No, I agree. That's, that's a good one. I didn't even think about him, but that's a good one. So how I kind of looked at this list too, I wanted to just preemptively uh, give a little bit of explanation. I looked at this list at, as directors who I've seen a lot of their work and who directors who I, if I hear they're making a movie, I will go see. And mm-hmm. so this first one is one that admittedly looking at the work, um, I no, it's not a lot of great work. There's there's some really good ones in there, but not a lot of great work as a whole. But I will not miss his movie, and that that's Kevin Smith is the first one. Um, I'm surprised he's five. I thought he, he'd be a little higher. He's five because, like, even I just went back recently and watched Clerks 2, which is, like, a comfort movie for me. Mm-hmm. But it is not aged well at all. There's an <laughs> there, there's, there's in terms of, like, a lot of the, the stuff is still funny, but there's, like, there's some, like... Uh, specifically, uh, some black jokes in the movie. Uh-oh. <laughs> Do you remember that? The uh, no, I think I only saw that movie once, so I really don't remember anything about it other than uh, uh, someone complains about getting mayonnaise in their coochie. <laughs> nope, that doesn't even happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does happen, doesn't it? Kind of. Yeah, it's uh, Rosario Dawson, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, she kind of mentions that. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if you remember it, uh, but they do say the N-word in this movie, too. Um, oh, jeez. And white people say it. So, like, and it's not done to call someone that, but it's still not great. Like, it didn't age well at all. But he has some really, like, Chasing Amy is one that, like, won a bunch of awards. And Clerks is another one that won a bunch of awards. And, um, like, there's a lot of respected movies in there, but there's also some really dumb, terrible ones. And he's grown as a filmmaker. And I enjoy him way more as a person than mm-hmm. I do a lot of his movies. I listen to all his podcasts and seen him live and his, you know, his Q and A's and stuff like that. Um, so as a person, I enjoy him way more. I, I, I think he's super inspirational and all that stuff, but movies wise, I can't put him higher on the list because I know there's some real poop, poop shows in that, in that, in there. So <laughs> yeah, that's why he's at five. Number four. I have at number four, Spike Lee. Okay. And there is a, he, he makes very black prominent films is a big one. Um, he, you know, all of his movies have, uh, really strong black leads, uh, which is something I appreciate. But then also just what Spike Lee does stylistically is very interesting to me. There are, there are multiple techniques and shots and things that I could show you and you could go that Spike Lee, you know, trademarks that he has across movies. I'm thinking specifically, um, the direct at the camera actor is talking to the audience shot for like a long monologue. Uh, the, um, the gliding down a hallway, which I know Seth, you saw in black Klansman, mm-hmm. um, that they do, he does that in several movies to portray, like, this is the hero of the story is how that's kind of what that tends to mean. Um, 
the sort of side cutaway, like interview type vignettes, kind of similar to like what you saw in the office. Um, there's a lot of stuff that is uniquely Spike Lee. He also like Wright has a kinetic pace to most of his movies. His mm-hmm. movies usually have something to say. And, um, you know, it's just, I- I've never watched a Spike Lee movie or show, um, when he did, she's got to have it as a show. I really enjoyed that. So, uh, for a lot of reasons he comes in here and he could be any, really any of my top five could be even higher. But, uh, I think the mixture of, of how he, sort of spots like spotlights black performers and then mixing in his sort of signature style uh is is what gets him on my list um my number four is definitely going to be a, a can kick so um i'm going to set it down on the ground for you i'm going to give you a nice can of cream corn you're going to kick it right down the road um my number four is quentin tarantino yep i'm going <laughs> to kick a 57 yard game winning overtime <laughs> field goal with that can and we'll talk about tarantino in a bit i promise yeah number three Here's one you might have, David Fincher. That's my number three. All right, number three. So <laughs> we've done uh, that like three weeks in a row now. <laughs> it's weird. Whenever we we don't kick cans as as much as we match, which is funny. Yeah. Um, since I just booted Tarantino, why don't you start with Fincher? Yeah, David Fincher. Um, honestly, the last few years for me has been more in TV than it has uh, movies. Like Gone Girl is the last David Fincher movie that I I loved that movie. Gone Girl. Oh God, I was in the theater. That was one or like. It was over like that because it's just so yeah. quick. But Fantastic. TV, though, for me, it's been more TV recently with, of course, House of Cards. He kind of kicked that all off. And then Mindhunter, which is that that uh, show on Netflix, that both Netflix, obviously. But um, Mindhunter is that show on Netflix where they look at the serial killers and stuff. Um, That's right. Yeah. And Jonathan that office in that. Love him. Oh, that show is so good. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the, it's been more TV. But, yeah, movies, too. Of course, uh, Gone Girl and then social network is like one of my favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. um so yeah david fincher is he's, he's excellent and he has that all of his movies and even shows somewhat look kind of the same they all have like a um like the 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 color is very just kind of like a dark dark hue to it mm-hmm. um it's very uh methodical the way he does his shows and movies um yeah david fincher is he's an excellent excellent director he gets fantastic performances out of everyone he touches oh yeah like you mentioned Gone Girl. You mentioned The Social Network. Fight Club is another Fincher. Movie. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Um, Seven. Uh, he loves Brad Pitt, and he's fantastic in all of his. Um, Zodiac is is an amazing... Have you seen Zodiac? Uh, parts of it. I don't think I've ever watched you all of gotta, it. you got to sit down and watch Zodiac. It's long as fuck. I think it closes up in on three hours, but it is amazing, top to bottom. Um, and then one of my favorite movies that almost no one I know has seen is The Game, uh, the game. With, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just about to do that with Michael Douglas, and it is it. I I just randomly put it on on Netflix one day, and it's one of my favorite movies. It's so great. And Fincher's just his style is dope ass movies, and I couldn't pick out sort of stylistically what his sort of isms are, but I know that every movie I've seen of Fincher's and plus House of Cards is fantastic. So he kind of uh, operates in like the political sort of high powered, uh, usually men realm is sort of his world and he does it excellently i i love fin- everything fincher puts out I, I watch and it's awesome number two number two this is a number this two. is a guy this is a guy that's up here in large part because of potential because he hasn't put out a lot of movies but this is where i put damien chazelle hmm. and that's probably a little bit surprising because i have just bangers at three four and five but chazelle is you know with right spike lee and fincher there are 
holes, right? There are movies, like, even though they're deep in the catalog where they made misses, mm-hmm. um, Chazelle, having only made three movies, has hit home runs on each of his. So that's why True. he kind of trumped them. Um, but when you talk about Whiplash, which I know you're a big fan of as well, um, La La Land. One. You didn't see Whiplash? No, I've only seen First Man of his stuff. Oh, my God. I, t- I will tell you, you must watch Whiplash. You would love it. J.K. Simmons is incredible, and I think yeah. he won the Oscar that year. No, I know um, I would love it. I just, for whatever reason, have never gone back to watch it. Yeah, no, you definitely have to check that one out. Um, La La Land is seriously one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, I love that. Like the I, I, I now enjoy musicals because of La La Land. Like, I never used to, and then I went to that, and since then I try to watch all the major musicals that come out. So... Uh, what he's done. And then first man, uh, I was highest on it when we reviewed our top 10 from 18 with, uh, with you and Jared, but I loved that. I thought it was a super big, just achievement of filmmaking, the way he put that together um, and was able to, to, to sort of bring that to life with all the challenges that, that it has. So I'm really excited to hear about what he's doing next, uh, having been three for three, at least for me. So, but I, again, would implore you to check out whiplash, and La La Land, even if you didn't like First Man, because they are super different. Uh, Whiplash is maybe a little more similar to, to First Man than La La Land is, but they are very, very different. Um, and I love Chazelle. He gets he gets great performances. Um, his, his It's hard to talk about his pacing, because all three movies are very differently paced, but um, they all are deliberate, I guess is, is what I would put. Uh, they, they don't really come to a stop at any point, even though they'll tend to slow down. And he's so varied to this point that I don't know what he's going to take on next, but I'll be excited to have it come out. So that's, that's why he's two for me. So I'm a little surprised you don't have my two or one on your list. Um, I will probably be, again, I have, I have a bunch of honorable mentions on here that I could have had in there that I I, I would bet. I know what a couple of yours are. So my number two is Steven Spielberg. Really surprised that wasn't in your list, honestly. Yeah, he was the one I was most upset with myself for excluding. But again, it came what it came back to was hit percentage for me. Okay, because he's come out with so much that yeah. not all, you know. Yeah, and 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 the reason my top two are where they are is that if I hear that these top two are going to make a movie, I'm going to go see it. Now, the reason I have number my number one above two is because Spielberg does have some more misses than he has hits, mm-hmm. like. When I heard he was making Ready Player One, I was like, all right, Spielberg, he's a really good director, uh, one of the best of all time. This is source material material I lo- really love. I'm excited about it. Didn't quite land with me, but I still appreciated it, you know, for what mm-hmm. it was. Sure. Got nominated for an Oscar for visual effects. But, uh, I, yeah, you know, it. neither here nor there. Steven Spielberg has such a catalog. He's done mainstream movies he's done oscar movies he's done comedies he's done dramas he's done everything and so if he comes out with a movie nowadays you're gonna go see it mm-hmm. and you know it's hard to miss a spielberg movie so um i mean look like within within a like six month time frame he had the post and ready player one completely different movies uh, but yeah. the post the post nominated for oscars all the actors were nominated for oscars really well done biopic and then you have a huge blockbuster book uh, made into a movie that was just a spectacle. And both were done really, really well. He executed them really, really well. You know if you see a Spielberg movie, you're going to have a good time at the theater, no matter what it is. And yeah. so that that's why I have him as high as he is. I, I haven't necessarily seen all of his movies or like all of his movies uh, 100%, but you know it's going to be a solid time at the theater when you hear he's going to be directing one. So that's why I have him at number two. 
I love Spielberg. One of my favorite, probably my favorite documentary I've ever watched is the Spielberg documentary on HBO, which Seth, I would highly recommend you checking out. Um, it just really goes through his filmography and talks. And he's pioneered so much in film. He, he's influenced, probably all of the directors on my list have been influenced by Spielberg at some point. Mm-hmm. And I think the highlight for Spielberg, the reason I love him so much, is he's able to instill in the viewer a sense of wonder that, and I hope people understand what I mean when I say that, because I can't really elaborate on that feeling, but like in, in Jurassic Park, when they first open the gates and see dinosaurs, that feeling, he's able to get that out of you in several other movies as well. Close Encounters has the first time you see the big ship, you know, and, and Jaws has the first time you see Jaws and all of those moments in film. Like if you made a list of the top 100 moments in film, especially American film in the last 50 years, probably mm-hmm. half of them belong to belong to Spielberg because he he does he does the hero shot as good as just about anybody I've seen and that, I think that's why he connects with people on such a deep level is because of what he's able to do mm-hmm. in just eliciting positive emotion out of people it's as simple as that number 1 everybody knew that Tarantino was going to be coming in at number 1 for me and mm-hmm. a, a lot of the a lot of my list is writer/directors and so a lot of why I love Tarantino so much is his writing also. Um, but again, he has a, a kinetic pace, in case you have, are missing the theme of my list. Um, a kinetic pace. Uh, he's often doing things with time that are a little tricky, so you've got to pay attention to his editing. He's yep. always gotten great performances out of his actors. Um, he, he likes to work in sort of long takes of monologues, which is my favorite thing in film. And... You know, the the projects he's taken on have been interesting to me. I, I really like what he did, especially with Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, going into history and finding sort of the stepped upon and making them the heroes of his movies, mm-hmm. I think is something that he's done well. Similar, Kill Bill is another one in Jackie Brown uh, with having the female leads kicking some serious ass is awesome. What what Tarantino brings to his his movies is an appreciation of all the movies that came before. He's a huge classic film buff and mm-hmm. you see all of the inspiration there. So he's like an encyclopedia of movies. So you can learn a lot about just filmmaking by watching him and what he does. And I've not, I've not watched a single Tarantino movie out of the, I think eight, uh, eight, eight or nine that he's released that I didn't love mm-hmm. top, you know, all of them. He's made the most movies without a miss out of any director for me. And so that's, that's why he's no one. You know, it's interesting, too, is he didn't go to, like, film school or anything. He worked at a video store. Yeah. Like, that's just what he, like, he watched tons of movies, worked at a video store, and made his own, and became the, you know, the the hit, the massive director that, that he is. He's also really good friends with Kevin Smith, so that's that's uh, also, I, I know quite a bit about him through, through Kevin Smith, too. So, um, yeah, he's a guy, he's not a guy I'll go see all of his movies. Um, like, I didn't see the Hateful Eight, Hateful was Eight. that the last, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't see that be just because I didn't hear amazing things about it. I'm not a big Western guy, but he's a guy that like I'm a hundred percent there opening day for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm very excited mm-hmm. for that. Like, but he has he's such a distinct style and vision with his with his with his work. Um, he's like one of the few like directors out there when you hear his name is coming out with a movie, you have to go see it. You know. Yep. Um, yeah. No, Tarantino's is definitely. Uh, one of my favorites out there. He's in my top five for sure. Uh, I'm really my happy number, he made your list. My number one, though, again, I'm 
shocked that he didn't make your list at least somewhere. Uh, and it's Christopher Nolan. Um, mm. You know, I, I forgot about Nolan. I don't think I would have had him in my top five. Really? Yeah. Um, I I have, I mean, obviously he's just got banger after banger, but for whatever reason, even though I do really enjoy all of his movies, um, I don't jump to the level of love except for on one or two of them. So okay. I, I don't know, but I, he would, he might be like my six or seven, but okay. if an, if a Nolan and an Edgar Wright movie are coming out, I'm more likely to go to Edgar Wright, I would say. Really? Cause like with, with Nolan, he, he doesn't really miss. <laughs> um, I know you didn't like Batman Begins as much, but, um, and I didn't really like Dark Knight Rises as much, but like Interstellar, Dunkirk, Inception, like Inception's one of my top, probably top 10 favorite movies ever. The Prestige, I've, I've seen that, that came out before I started really paying attention to movies, but I've seen that. Um, Memento, which is like his first big one. Um, I never saw that one, but I've heard crazy. I know you've seen that one, haven't you? Yeah, Memento's pretty cool. Yeah. He just has, he has a ton of just, and it's not a ton, but he has just like all of his stuff is like boom, boom, boom. From what looking at his IMDb, there's nothing really planned coming up for him. But when there is, it's just like, that's a huge thing. Like Dunkirk mm-hmm. on its own probably wouldn't be as big as it was. But that movie was awesome. That movie's incredible. And it was because of his vision and the way he told the story. I think because it was what made it so different. Because like World War II movies, not my type of thing. But when you hear Christopher Nolan attached to it, I was there opening day, you know? So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Christopher Nolan has been so successful, so different. He tells stories in such a different way than than really anyone else. Um, you know, when you see a Christopher Nolan movie, you, you know it because of the just the, the 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 way it's shot, the way the way it's set up, um, the overall mechanics of it. It's it, it's definitely something to for one to see on 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 a th- on a theater screen. You you want to see this in the biggest screen possible because it's mm-hmm. going to blow your mind and in especially you're going to be you're going to want to be immersed in it. But um, yeah, Christopher Nolan's just a guy. When I see his name attached, to something I will be there right away. And he's had so many successful movies that it, it's hard for me not to put him as number one because he just every time executes at a at a high level. Yeah, he he does have, and as you were listing ones, I was like, shit, 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 every time you named one. <laughs> um, Dunkirk is one of, if I made a, a list of movies that are the best movies I've ever seen, Dunkirk would make that list. Yeah. The, 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 the way that they put all that together, and then to see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff and what he does, the detail that he puts in that no one ever finds out about mm-hmm. is insane. The use of a, a clock <laughs> for the score, things like that. Um, all the practical effects too. And all, and all practical it all is. Yeah. He, he, you're right. Everything he's put out as a banger. I think the reason he probably doesn't make my top five is because of just my taste in movies. All of okay. his movies I love, but they're just a little darker. Yeah, usually. that's true. And, they're and not I'm happy. Into the more, yeah. I'm into the more <laughs> happy stuff. I think I, if I, if I'm thinking of like, I'm trying to, as you're talking, I'm like, why don't I have him number in my top five? And I think that's probably it. But the truth is, when I do, when I am in the mood for something a little darker, uh, a little meaner, Nolan is a great place to go. And he doesn't have a miss. You're totally right about that. I yeah. love every... It's, Interstellar is probably, if I made a top five all-time list, or a top ten, uh, Interstellar might crack that one, because uh, that does everything for me. And every genre he's touched, he's and turned to gold. So I'm, Incep- I'm in no way offended that you have him on there. And Inception would also make that list. Inception yeah, we, talk, so- we talked about Inception, not only for, like, weeks after, but, like, years. We still talk yeah. about that movie. Like, yeah. that movie is such a mind-bender, and... 
the way he did it was just genius. And that was between Batman movies, you know? So like, yeah. like the, the fact that he can do all this is, is absolutely insane. Um, yeah, he's, he's an incredible dude. I think that is, I think Nolan is a great way to round out this list. Uh, we picked out some good directors. I like our list here. Yeah. Um, I got a couple honorable mentions here. Uh, Spielberg, of course. And then I had, it was hard without the, I don't think they've done enough quite yet, but Jordan Peele I have on here. Uh, and then also Ryan Coogler. Mm. And, and I think both yeah. of them have super bright futures, but I haven't seen just enough yet. Um, uh, Scorsese, another honorable Scorsese mention. Scorsese was that he was the ne- the closest, him and Spielberg were the next closest to my top five. Um, yeah. Specifically when Scorsese pairs with DiCaprio, yeah. watch that movie. If it, if it's if it's Scorsese and DiCaprio in Daddy Daycare three, mm-hmm. I will watch that fucking movie. Like those guys are perfect for each other, and I love I still, what Scorsese's been doing for fifty years. He's been fucking Taxi Driver was in the sixties. Yeah, I still remember uh, um, watching Wolf. Like I've only watched Wolf of Wall Street once, but I still remember us watching it uh, in Ames um, uh, at at the apartment two fourteen. <laughs> Shout yeah. out. Um, but I still remember. I still remember watching that. Like I remember that movie very vividly. It was just such a well done movie, um, all around. Because those two, uh, I mean, they pair up so well. Again, seen it once, but it's such a memorable, memorable movie and and uh, well done all around. That you know, it's hard. It he 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 just has such a distinct way to make movies. Departed again. The Departed is one movie I've seen. A movie I've seen only once, but I remember so much of that movie because of what he did inside mm-hmm. of that whole thing it's yeah it's awesome he gets a-listers to bring their best shit i think that's his his top quality yeah because he's always working with the best guys uh and don't forget the irishman is coming out soon yeah uh, possibly with the hugest cast maybe of all time yeah and, and we'll see what he's able to drag out of those guys but yeah he he is he's a great one he 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 belongs right in my list um and especially for the length of time during which he's been doing all this shit because his list is 50 movies long of all mm-hmm. hangers one other one for me is, and I still want to see some more, but it's the Russo brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, not only for the for the Marvel stuff, because like obviously the, all that all of their Marvel movies have been either solid or excellent, but their TV stuff they did a lot of Community. Yeah. Um, they they're so diverse in the stuff they do. I listened to an interview recently with one of the Russo brothers, and the way that they think about storytelling is very different. Um, it's it's. They're they're very interesting people, and the fact that they do this, to, they've been doing this together since they were six years old, and they they don't really have any they don't have any misses really either. Um, the first they did the first season of Community almost entirely. That was the best season of Community, you know. Yeah. So like, um, the everything they come onto and, and dive into, they they do a really awesome job of. They have my they my, my top two favorite Marvel movies and uh, and uh, Winter Soldier and Infinity War. Yeah, they they just do a really really good job. So they're they're ones that I want to see do something outside of, you know, Marvel. Maybe try their own thing after mm-hmm. the this end game is done and see what maybe that would look like with their own property. But uh, no, they're 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 definitely ones to look out for and, and ones that have done a really good job so far. Yeah, that's a good pick. I'm really interested to see what they do after this Marvel stuff kind of chills out. Yeah. All right, let's keep it in the realm of movies, and we're going to move to one of our newer segments. This is Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! (laughs) My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Quickly moving up the list of my favorite sounders, honestly. (laughs) I I do really dig that one. (laughs) 
All right. Making the quota this week is actually brought to you by Mike's Wood. Oh. <laughs> Mike V. <laughs> <D> reckon- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike V. recommended this one. So thanks, Mike, for uh, giving me a, a little break and coming up with the material this week. So I love uh, it. Thanks, Mike. You can get it. Uh, Cody will give you a hand job in Vegas. So. Um, <laughs> This week's quote is, the royal penis is clean, your highness. <laughs> is that the dictator? No. <laughs> oh, it's not. Oh, I thought for sure I had that one. Um, the I'll repeat it. The royal penis is clean. The royal penis is clean, your highness. Is it like South Park or Team America? No, it's from a movie you sp- we talked about last week as a sequel coming out. The sequel for this is coming out. Oh, that's Welcome to America. Nope. Oh, man, that would have made a lot of sense in Welcome to America if you've seen it. Well, uh, <laughs> it make a sen- make sense in a movie uh, with something else to America, not Welcome, though. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, Jesus it's... Into America? No. Um, what is the actual title of that fucking movie? <laughs> Coming to America. You said Welcome to America. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what did I say? You said Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So (laughs) coming to America. (laughs) What did I say? So the welcome. The the right answer is coming to America, right? Yes. (laughs) Oh my god! Don't you hate that when someone corrects you and you're like, "I just fucking said that." (laughs) Yes, because it's happened like five times on this show in particular. Oh, I got to drink less during the show, I think. Um, coming to America. I am. Is it coming to America? I, now I'm confused. This is like the Spearmint Rhino thing all over again. <laughs> Peppermint Rhino. <laughs> I still don't know what the correct answer is. And no, I won't Google it. Um, Spearmint. Okay, Spearmint. Coming to America. Great movie. Uh, everyone yeah. should check it out. Did we give it a retro recommend last week? <laughs> I don't know. No, let's do it this week. Check out the sequel, Welcome to America, 2020. <laughs> hey, man, that's, you know what? That's, that's great stuff. Uh, great stuff from Mike. Uh, we, appreciate, we appreciate the recommendation. Uh, if you have quotes that you want us to include in making the quota and get us off topic and down uh, Giggle Lane, uh, make sure you tweet them at Seth O'Otter. Better yet, DM them to Seth. Uh, at Seth O'Water at SoCo Show Pod, so that you can sneak them into the show. <laughs> uh, I okay. I only accept dick pics into my DMs, so uh, you can text them at me. Uh, my phone number is three one nine two eight three zero five. No. Hey, that's starting to be mine. <laughs> now people are going to guess the last two digits and then send me a bunch of dicks. Make sure the royal penis is clean before you send me a picture of it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Great stuff this week in making the quote. Another shout out to Mike V. Let's get in. We're going to talk movies for the rest of the show. Uh, we've got trailers coming up and a couple quick reviews. But first, let's start with movie news. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? 
movies. So a couple interesting um, projects have been announced in the last week, Seth, and I want to get your take, uh, your quick take on each of these. Uh, the first, apparently a Ghostbusters sequel is in the works. Uh, this being a sequel to the original two movies, not including the female-led Ghostbusters that came out recently. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you react to this first, Seth. Are you welcoming a, a new addition to the Ghostbusters universe? Jason Reitman is the son of Ivan Reitman, who did the original Ghostbusters. Jason Reitman, um, for those who don't necessarily know or maybe are not familiar with his work, he did a couple movies this year that I reviewed, Tully and um, The Front Runner. He also did Thank You for Smoking. Um, and there's one other one that's somewhat famous that he's done. But he's more of a, if you look at those movies, that they're, they're more independent or dramatic movies. Uh, he doesn't do a ton of comedy. Um, but his dad... So he basically what his whole thing was, I, I kind of heard some interviews and stuff, but his whole thing was was he could have done this years ago, um, but he wanted to go out and do his own thing, do his own career, you know, kind of make his own path. He's done that. He's, make, he's made a, a, quite a bit of successful movies. His dad said, you know, here you go, take Ghostbusters and go with it. So he's got the approval from his dad. His dad's kind of working along with it and stuff. Um, the plot of the movie from what I understand, is that they are going to return the original cast, um, but they are going to be mentoring younger people to kind of continue the franchise. And the, basically, from what I understand, is that the young people are going to find the old gear and the car and all that stuff and kind of get, you know, get, get leadership from the original cast, have a mix of that, and then go off into their own thing. So... You kind of get that whole hodgepodge in there. It's going to completely mm-hmm. ignore the 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 uh, girls from from the last one. Um, so it's it's you know still in line with the original series. Kind of have a lot of that flair and flavor in it. Um, still have approval from the original director and writer, but have the own their it, its own flavor with uh, Jason Reitman, who I I love Jason Reitman. He's done a lot of really really good movies. So. Um, I'm excited for this. I, I can't wait to see what they do with this. It's going to, ha- it's with all of the 80s stuff that's kind of come back into play because of Stranger Things and like with Halloween this last year. Um, and Jason Reitman has played in the 80s with, with the front runner too. So I think this is going to have the perfect combination. I'm really excited for this. I, I, I can't wait to see this. I'm, I'm interested. I've never been a huge fan of Ghostbusters to be honest, but I think this could be a cool project. I like that. I like that they're going in the direction of including the old cast, and then something new, without it being entirely the other one. I was going to be very annoyed if it was a group of kids taking this up because how many fucking times do we need some '80s kids doing shit? But I like that uh, the idea that it's a combination of the two, and they're going to bring back some of the old cast. Uh, I think this could be cool, and if done right, uh, could be a big hit. Ghostbusters, the most recent one. Uh, was not a big hit because it was reviewed very poorly. So we'll see if if and yeah. it's, you know it sounds like having the original a lot of the original um, uh, you know creators are, are still involved and I think that bodes well. So I'm I have one foot in I would say uh, just because I'm not as big a fan of Ghostbusters, but this is something that I am looking forward to. Yeah, I'm I was a uh, a little bit surprised to hear that you were excited because I know you don't usually get up for the kind of the old movies getting kind of sequeled or rebooted but your your logic does make sense Uh, yeah so this will be interesting the people involved i think are the reason to get excited here yeah all right so on to the next one and i i'm willing to bet you'll be less hot on this one um the disney live action thing is going to continue to roll 
Uh, and it sounds like one of the upcoming projects might be a remake of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> I heard about this. And in talks to play the lead, Quasimodo is Josh Gad. <laughs> is that a joke? No, that's that's 100% true, I swear. The only thing about Josh Gad that I that I can <laughs> pull is Billy Eichner screaming about him. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Hopefully the editor can can put in a clip from that right here. Hey, uh, this is the editor. Couldn't find that clip, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> that was so funny. Um, <laughs> no, this is, this is uh, reported by Screen Rant last week that, uh, yeah, Hunchback is the next that's going to be made. Josh Gad is uh, the most interesting person attached. So looks like he could be Quasimodo. Um, it will be a musical. I don't remember seeing the original Hunchback, so I don't know how much music is in it, but it'll apparently be a musical. Uh, Gad has been singing before. He was in uh, Beauty and the Beast, Frozen, uh, so he's he's been in a couple things. Um, so this could be interesting. I'll need to start seeing some, some photos and things from set before I really get excited for this, because I don't really even care about Hunchback <sighs> of Notre Dame. But uh, I don't know. It could be good. I'm I'm completely lukewarm on this. I don't know what you think. I, I really feel like they need to be real careful with how they make the, the hunchback look. Because um, it's it's going to get real close to some politi- politically correct lines if they make him look like the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Make him look like the cartoon. <laughs> so yeah. you've got they, a point they, there. They, it's going to look... It's, it might look close to Simple Jack from, from Traffic Thunder if they go... Oh, with no. The, <laughs> if they go with that. So they might just need to... This does not seem like a smart live-action movie to do, honestly. Um, it's not one of... I mean, you know of The Hunchback in Notre Dame, but because it's more of a punchline than it mm-hmm. is, like, a popular movie, like, people make fun of people for looking like that, like, looking like Quasimodo. But when people talk about, like, their favorite... Name one person ever who's ever said, you know what? Hunchback in Notre Dame is my favorite Disney movie. I've, I've never, even never heard anyone say they like it. It doesn't get mentioned. It's a total... And I Ever. I agree with you. It is a fuzzy place to step into, and they're going to have to navigate it. The thing that I'm extremely uh. excited to see how they navigate is how they cast Esmeralda. Because <laughs> as an animated character, she can get it. I guess you're kind of walking lines there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just going to be very... Like, they're going to have to... Like, you can't make him look like... At least his face. Because he... I mean, no, you can't do that. That's not going to be... <laughs> Yeah, we like, don't need to elaborate anymore, or we're going to end up stepping on some with, lines. With, but I, with I how they, what you're saying. With how they did, uh, like, Aladdin, like, people were upset about him looking like Marty McFly. What are they going to do about him looking like Simple Jack? That's going to be real, that's going to be real tough. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how close they go to the Disney adaptation. Because The Hunchback of Notre Dame, as I, as I recall, is like a folklore. Like, it's older than the Disney movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The story it's, not, it's not initially a Disney story. It's a, yeah. it's a myth so, or whatever. So, who knows what they'll use from that and what they won't, but I don't know. So, if I just say, Josh Gad's uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame comes out tomorrow, are you going to go see it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of Quasimodo right now, and it's, it's going to be real strange. <laughs> Uh, if you want to hear, so that's actually a really good segue oh my into God, this that's next. Terrifying. <laughs> it's actually a really good segue into this next project because it is strange as hell and doesn't make a lot of sense as a sentence. Um, I will follow it up with yet another one. 
Kevin Hart is set to star in a Monopoly movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, what that movie is, but it's going to be based on the board game. Centered on a boy from the game's modest Baltic Avenue on a quest to make a fortune. Oh, that sounds awful. So Kevin Hart is going to be trying to fucking build hotels on Boardwalk. By the oh, end of it's going to be so bad. And you know what it's going to... I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to do a Kevin Hart impression, and so I started moving my... Started moving around like him, and I look like a dumbass in my part. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Okay, my name's Kevin Hart. I can't do it. I can't do, I can't do it with the headphones on. <laughs> the only thing I can say is... My name's like, Kevin Hart. The only thing I... I don't know K- why I Quasimodo. The only thing I can say is Kevin Hart is, I'm pissed off. And, and that's... My name's Kevin Hart. <laughs> that is getting cut. I'm going to... No, uh, you're keeping no it in. You got to keep it in. <laughs> hey, just... That, that was... Okay. This show is complete nonsense. I'm passing go. I'm taking my $200. That was a little bit better. That's uh, still better. Not, great. not my best work. Not my best just, work. Just try, just try and start it off again with, with uh, my name is Kevin Hart. I've never, I don't know why I started saying that because that's a bad way to start an impression. You don't start an impression by, you don't go, oh, I'm Barry. You don't, that's not how you start. <laughs> that was just bad. That was just bad by me. This is oh, why. That's great. This is why I'm not in Hollywood right now. Not able to do a Kevin Hart impression, except for yep. I'm pissed off. That's the only. <laughs> My name's thing. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. My name is Kevin Hart, and I'm in the fourth grade, and I live on Baltic Avenue. Mr. Fetterman. Mr. Fetterman. <laughs> That's strike three. All right, uh, back to the rails here. So, uh, Monopoly with Kevin Hart comes out tomorrow. Are you going? No. Yeah, I agree. Fuck no. When you're describing that, I was like, I'd rather I'd watch Kevin Hart play Monopoly for an hour and a half, just yeah. like watch him react to it. And make jokes at people. I'd watch that. I'm not going to watch a movie about him trying to fucking take over New York. Yeah. I don't like this. This sounds like a stinky, stinky movie that is going to be very terrible. Uh, might be coming out in January next year. Who knows? Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Still early stages, but apparently that's what's going on. I'd rather watch a trouble movie. Oh, they could have the pop matic Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fucking sweet. All right, folks. Scrap the Monopoly movie. Give us trouble. That's what we want to see. We're going to come back to, uh, I guess, the news-ish portion when we talk Oscars, but we're going to save that for a little bit and skip forward, and we have one big trailer to talk about this week, and Seth, I'm just going to let you have it. <laughs> this, this, uh, this trailer can be described in one sound. Jesus. <sighs> uh, so yeah, that trailer, we talked, we, we talked about it briefly last week. Uh, Cody had a link to it with the last show. Um, that's John Wick 3, Chapter 3. Parabellum, um, which is the uh, country band. Oh, sorry, that's Lady Antebellum. <laughs> Lady um, Parabellum. <laughs> <laughs> what does Parabellum stand for? Is it like the end or something? Prepare for war. A, that's oh man, that's what this trailer oh, shows. Hey man, I just got like I just. Whew. All right, you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, the trailer came out. So here's how my Thursday goes. Uh, I'm sitting there at work, get a text at like ten o'clock, and it says you're one hour. Head start begins now. Click here. So I clicked there. And and, uh, it took me to probably the happiest two minutes and 30 seconds of my entire life, uh, which was uh, the John Wick 3 trailer, uh, complete with uh, stabbings and headshots and book to neck destroying and gun throwing. Um, 
I cannot fucking wait for this movie. Um, if, if it wasn't clear with that being my number one for Mambo number five, uh, this trailer just made it. Like, you could show me 20 Avengers trailers, but if you give me one John Wick trailer, it's going to surpass it every time. That movie looks absolutely insane. It's going to be the culmination of all of this entire story. It's not going to disappoint. I can guarantee it right now. Otherwise, uh, I can't really supply any. I was going to say I'll give you your money back, but I don't have that kind of money. So, um, John Wick 3 is going to be amazing. This trailer has everything you could want in a two-minute, 30-second trailer. You get to see John Wick destroying fools. You get to see John Wick with dogs. You get to see John Wick on a horse. You get to see John Wick with Holly Berry. You get to see John Wick in a desert. It has everything. So go see this movie, watch this trailer, and get excited because it's going to be amazing. <laughs> that that got me hyped to watch the trailer. So <laughs> I can't even uh, imagine how good that movie is going to be. And we are such big fans of John Wick. And the reactions, I haven't watched the trailer myself, but the reactions to it have amped up my anticipation a little bit. If you remember a couple weeks ago, I was saying, this has potential to disappoint, so we'll see. No. Um, but it sounds like the trailers are, are getting Seth hard, so... <laughs> Um, so I'm looking forward to it. If you so the thing that's also amazing is that like John Wick in the first movie. So he's like gra- John Wick is graduating in terms of murder. The first movie he just mentions slightly about killing someone with a pencil. John Wick two he does it. They show it. This movie he's gonna kill someone with a book. With a book. I mean, come on. How can you not get excited about John Wick murdering someone's neck with a book? Just Go see this movie as soon as it comes out. <laughs> there you go. Seth, emphatic that we got to get to John Wick. We got to wait till what? May? Middle of May? Too long. Too long. <laughs> Seth wants it fucking now. Get it to him. Get me now. I'm going to see Avengers before John Wick. And the only thing I'm going to be thinking about during Avengers is John Wick. So <laughs> this is this is probably the most excited I've seen you for a movie in oh my at God. least a long time. I'm going to be... You know how when you vibrate during Mission Impossible, it's I'm going to cause a fucking earthquake in my seat because of John Wick. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to post. I wish we had done a reaction of you watching it. That would have been really entertaining. But uh, in I, honestly, that- though, the, fir- the, the I'm going a, a little off, tan- off tangent here. But one of my favorite moments ever in a movie theater was... In the second John Wick, when he hits a guy with a car and they slam <laughs> against the wall. <laughs> like, that instant, I still remember, I was like, this movie fucking rocks. And we were ten minutes into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when my love of John Wick was cemented. So no matter what they do, this John Wick is going to be awesome. Oh my god. This is exciting. I'm excited for it. Just because I'm excited because you're excited. I, I love this. <laughs> People, I don't know if you saw this, someone had their dog watch the trailer and <laughs> posted, posted the dog reacting, and it's a pretty cute video, so I'll link to that in the description as well. As you can imagine, uh, dogs love John Wick, so oh yeah, I mean, make they, sure you check that do- out. Dogs are the most pure uh, beings on earth, and if they love John Wick, you have to love John Wick, so... Well, they also like eating shit, so I don't <laughs> think I need to like everything dogs like. <laughs> You know what? I, your point is still taken. If, if, if eating shit is to love John Wick, I'll eat an entire bowl of shit every day. There you heard it, folks. Seth is going to eat an entire, what was it, a bowl of shit? Yeah. 
All right, Seth is going to eat a bowl of shit if John Wick 3 is not good. So uh, make no. sure you let us know what you think. I'll eat if it is me. good. <laughs> All right, well, Seth just wants to eat some poop, I guess. I <laughs> All right, that's the big trailer this week. Let's move forward into some reviews. Uh, a couple interesting January releases. We are now into the 2019 season. I'm going to start with a quickie review of Escape Room, which I saw. And you know what? I think I can review this movie in just 10 seconds. This is the intro to the next segment, and the intro is just as long as the segment itself. Here comes a 10-second movie review. I love that one, too. I'm glad we brought that one back. (laughs) 10-second review is exactly what it sounds like. I'm going to give myself 10 seconds to review the movie Escape Room. Before I do, uh, the plot of Escape Room is uh, a bunch of people are put into an escape room that is deadly, and they have to figure out how to escape. Very, very simple premise, uh, and I'm going to review it in 10 seconds. So here we go. This movie was actually surprisingly creative and really interesting to watch. Uh, Mediocre performances, but great set design and really fun to figure out the mystery. Um, I think just to elaborate on that last point, uh, Seth, when you watch this, and the reason I'm not going to spoil it for you is because I do want you to watch it. It's really fun to try to figure out the puzzles as the, as the characters are. And okay. they give you opportunities to figure things out before they give it to you. Um, and so it's, it's kind of fun to do that. And it lends itself to a little frustration when you realize what's going on before they do. But it is an interesting kind of... It surprised me. It was better than I anticipated. I thought it was going to be a poop show. But uh, <laughs> it ended up being kind of interesting. And um, I'm excited for more folks to see it. So that I can talk more about it, but it was a little bit of a surprise. I'd give it a recommend. Maybe don't rush out to the theater and see it, but when you get it, get a chance to get it on the Red Box or Netflix, uh, check it out. How was uh, How was old Karen Page, Deborah Ann Wool? She was an interesting character. Um, she was kind of playing against type. Her character is a former like marine, I think, uh-huh. and so she's pretty tough and badass and does a little, okay. couple little action things. So she was cool. different than than I remember having seen her in, in Daredevil. But she was an interesting character. She probably was. There's not a lot of depth to the characters here. There really is not. Um, her character backstory feels a little deeper than the rest of them. Um, okay. But even that, not super deep. So, again, it's not going to make any top ten lists or anything like that. But it's a, it's a fun little watch. And it's short. It's under two hours. So, it's, it's worth a look. Neat. This is the outro from the last segment. And the outro is just as long as the segment itself. That was a ten-second movie review. Cheated a little bit at the end, but you love that sounder. I still remember you making that one. <laughs> I was really proud of it. I was like, because a lot of times when I'm making the sounder, there's a little peek behind the curtain. I'm usually looking for specific words, right? And in and, and, and clips and things like that. And I knew I was never going to find those words in that order in any clip. So I was like, fuck it. I'll record it myself. And so I did. <laughs> we were getting ready to go like do something too. Um, or someone was like coming to the house or something and you're like, hold on, I got to record this real quick. (laughs) (laughs) And and you did like, this is a 10 second movie review. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Because I heard it without the music. Yeah. So I was like, well, that is the most ridiculous thing. It's better at the music, but it was really weird to hear in person. Well, you got to look at the finished product and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. So I'm glad we got Mm, that in. I'm happy for you. (laughs) Uh, see Escape Room, in summary. 
Uh, let's move forward to a movie that I already know we disagree on a little bit. Uh, this is the M. Night Shyamalan movie, Glass. Uh, what do you think, Seth? Should we should we do a spoiler alert and let this be a spoiler review or, no. or a little bit of both or keep it spoiler free? Keep it spoiler free, I think. Okay, so no worries. We're going to keep it totally spoiler free on Glass, um, which is the culmination. I don't think it's a spoiler at this point to say that it is the Unbreakable trilogy. Unbreakable and then Split uh, were surprisingly uh, part of the same series. That was a twist at the end of Split. Now we have the culmination bringing those two movies together. I'm really upset that, um, you know, it's it's a culmination of the Unbreakable trilogy, but there was no Kimmy Schmidt anywhere. (laughs) There was was some females that were strong as hell in this one, though. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess you got a little bit of what you wanted. I, I guess so. I, uh, I'll just give my impressions of, 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 of glass. Uh, I thought I really enjoyed glass and, uh, you and I talked at length after we had both seen it about what we thought. And I think without getting into spoilers, I think there's a, there's a depth here that is below what you see. Uh, and that's the, those are the reasons why I liked the movie. The, a lot of the reasons that I liked the movie were in the interpretation of what happens in the film and not the literal events happening in the film. And Seth, I think that's where where you uh, were were different from me, where mm-hmm. you were looking at what happens in the film and you weren't as excited about it. Yeah, I think it's not just what happens in this film, but what happens in the entirety of the entire franchise or trilogy, I guess. For me, I looked at it more in terms of like a filmmaking standpoint and as a movie standpoint, because I was never just, I as a recent fan, see Unbreakable I saw, liked, it was fine. Split I saw and actually enjoyed quite a bit because it was a it was a much different Shyamalan Shyamalan Dang Dong film than 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 all of the others um, at least from what I from what I what I've seen and so if I looked at him as a whole it just didn't quite it wouldn't have completely made sense I don't know mm-hmm. and, and and Glass for me it didn't it the the first hour or so really liked it. Um, I liked where they were going with it. When they get to the point when Sarah Paulson comes in, it just kind of halts for me. Mm-hmm. And that they spend so much time in that point where I didn't feel bought into what they were what they were selling me, and I just got bored with it. And by the time they revealed all the twists by the end, because you know there's a twist, it's Shyamalan Ding Dong movie. Um, by the time they revealed the twists, because they spent so much time selling me something I didn't want or didn't believe in. The twist didn't impact me, is what mm-hmm. I felt. I think it had helped. It helped me in this movie to go in a completely bought in, and I was ready to go down any line they wanted me to mm-hmm. go down. And something we discussed previously was, you can go in and and dive in and say I'm going wherever Shyamalan wants me to go, or you can go in and say Take me somewhere, Shyamalan. And he yeah. doesn't do he doesn't do a great job of dragging you to the place he wants you to go. So it it sort of is put on the viewer here to go along. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. And so a lot of whether or not people enjoy this movie is going to be their attitude going in. Mm -hmm. And, and also whether or not they were fans of, of the first two movies. Um, I think if you're not a fan of the first two movies, you won't enjoy this. (laughs) Right. I think that if you are, there's a really good chance you will. But again, you have to buy in And, and, and part of the responsibility is on the viewer here. To, to buy in because I will agree with you that Shyamalan doesn't do everything here to get you on board. 
He's sort of mm-hmm. counting on you already being on board. Yep. And if you are on board, there's a lot to love about this movie. Yeah. And without getting into, you know, what happens and everything, I think there's a there's a message here and a a level on which you're on which you might interpret this movie that is super interesting and really warrants discussion, and I love that. Zooming back into just what happens here though, uh, I think some highlights here are the the camera work is really interesting here. And specifically in Shyamalan, this has been his sort of trademark. What he does with color is really interesting. Yeah. Anytime they're focusing on a, on a certain character, they've each got a color that is theirs that becomes dominant in the shot whenever that character is. Even Sarah Paulson, if and you'll see the shot in the posters and in the trailer, she's got all three of them in a room at one point and the walls are all pink. The entire room is pink. Mm-hmm. And it, it causes all the colors in that shot to really pop off in an interesting way. And so visually what Shyamalan does here is super interesting. And I would also highlight the score. The score uh, is yeah. is fantastic in this movie. Some of the spots where I think, it, you know, it, it may have come up a bit short. I think that the pacing tends to yeah. throw people off a little bit. It gets very slow at interesting times. Um, and then just the way that the way the plot progresses leaves leaves bare the possibility for people to jump off board at at various points. And so again, what I think it comes back to is, are you unconditionally in and along for the ride? If you're not, then you might, Shyamalan might lose you here. And I think that's maybe the most basic way to break it down without going into spoilers. I relate this a lot to, for me, uh, the way I look at this, this entire uh, trilogy or franchise or whatever, the way I feel about star Wars compared to like how you feel about it for me star wars is a, as a franchise i just recently before i saw force awakens had watched all of them mm-hmm. you know same thing with this i watched both unbreakable and split within a two-month period by the time i saw glass i was just like i've seen these but i'm not bought in you know mm-hmm. i like them they're enjoyable they're fun to watch but i'm not like super into it you've seen all the you saw split the opening weekend you saw unbreakable years ago you have the you have the the you know the I guess the the because when you saw Split and you knew the the ending of it, you're like, oh shit, that's unbreakable, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, if I if I saw Split, I wouldn't have had any fucking clue. So you at least have that background. Now I know there's more to it, and I, that's not the complete reason why you like it. I could, I you know, that's we've talked about that, but um, I think there that, that's a big part of it. Um, the other things I really like though about the movie, uh, fucking James McAvoy as the Horde slash uh, Kevin Wendell. Oh, now I feel I feel shitty that it took us this long. He is fantastic. He is so good. I would watch a million of these movies with him as the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so fucking engrossing with Split and this movie with his character. I would just watch him do these characters over and over and over again. I would watch a, a prequel movie with him coming into the Horde. I would watch all that. I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility, honestly, because this movie made money. And mm-hmm. M. Night Shyamalan likes money. So um, I, I would I, I could definitely see him doing uh, a prequel movie with this with with the horde or split or whatever. It's it, it's so interesting to see all these different characters that have come up. And there's even more in this movie. Seeing Patricia and Hedwig and Kevin and and uh, Barry and all that. Like it's it's so cool to watch. Um, and, and so I'd watch that a million times. Yeah, you mentioned the score, the the cinematography, all that. It's not a bet. Like, did I did I like the movie um, as a whole? Did I did I have a great time? Not necessarily, but do I think it's a bad movie? Not at all. 
Um, I think it's 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 a well done movie all around. It's shot well. It's the score is great. The acting is is really really good. I think the writing is kind of poor in my opinion, but as a whole, not a bad movie. It's it's if you've seen the other ones, I would say definitely see this movie. Um, you you want to know how it ends. You want to know what happens. Mm-hmm. And some people are going to get something out of it. Like like you mentioned, like you you had so, you got something out of it. You saw something that I maybe didn't see or just didn't go along with because I did, wasn't bought in. But one way or another, I know people who really liked this movie. I know people who didn't. So it's a divisive movie for sure. Um, and it's a movie I think you need to see if you have seen the other ones. If you haven't seen the other ones, um, honestly, I might say just, you know, watch Split <laughs> or, or Unbreakable and leave them alone. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I feel like it, this is going to be just something either you really connect to or you don't. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and and yeah, you and I happen to be split on this movie. Oh my god. Uh Jared also did see it, so we're going to make sure to link to his review and he also did a ranking of the three movies of this trilogy. Uh, so we'll link to that video as well so you can check it out on the YouTube's at Jared Buckendall. But really, I mean this movie is one that like Seth said is going to be divisive. It's not getting great critical reviews. Um, I saw it in the 30s on Rotten Tomatoes, which I was really surprised to see because I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And I would give it a high recommend, again, with the caveat that you've got to go in and buy in. And it helps if you're a fan of the first two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is kind of the condition that we can agree on. But there are, you know, even if you're just going in to watch some certain parts of the filmmaking, there's a lot to like here, um, even if it doesn't 100% land. But let us know, maybe more than any movie we've seen uh, and reviewed on the show. Super interested to hear what others thought. So make sure you hit us up on Twitter at underscore Cody Michael, at Seth O'Watton, at SoCo Show Pod, and let us know what you think. I, I put out a tweet last week um, about, because uh, I had seen mostly negative reviews of it, and I was like, some, find me someone who loves it, because I want to talk about it with someone who loves it. So if you loved Glass, uh, hit me up on the tweets at underscore Cody Michael so we can gush about it, because I I, uh, I really enjoyed it and, and was really happy with how it played out. And, and that's going to take us to almost the end of the show. But before we go, we got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. Okay, I've been wanting to talk about this for a little bit, and it happened to me again today, and I need to fucking talk about it. Some of our listeners might be familiar with something called Roman, which it has, been, has been advertising a lot on Facebook and wants you to click on it. And I don't know why it's on my Facebook, but it has been on my Facebook. And I, I, I don't know what I'm clicking to get this targeted ad, but I'm getting a shitload of these ads. And Roman is an erectile dysfunction medicine. <laughs> and I, I, I suffice to say, I don't, I don't know why I am getting suggestions for Roman. I don't know what I'm clicking on. I, I don't know what website I'm going to that suggests that I need that medicine, but I don't. And I'm sick of it popping up on my shit and it's on everything all the time. And I, I want to know how to get it gone from my shit. And basically, I, I think have you seen this? I have not, but I think I know your solution. Incognito mode. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this. I, I am, I am a religious user of incognito mode. So if, if incognito mode works, I have no clue why I'm getting Roman ads and I've started to see them on TV too. So I don't know. I don't know what the fuck is someone needs to explain it to me. And 
So what I'm, I'm putting a call out. Will someone <laughs> please, so distressed. someone please get a hold of me and tell me I'm not the only one this is happening to. Okay. I need to know that there's not anything I'm doing specifically that's getting these ads. I need to know that someone else is getting them that doesn't want them. Okay. That's going to make me feel a lot better. So hit me up on the tweets at underscore Cody Michael. You know, I, upon further reflection, I don't know that anyone's going to do that. I don't know if anyone's going to be like, yeah, I'm getting the boner pills too. But uh, I'm very, I'm very, <laughs> I am distraught. I don't know why I'm getting them and it's pissing me off and I want them to go away and I'm going to stop now, but I'm, I keep getting Roman ads. I'm not going to link to them because it's a cancer. It's all over my fucking, all my feeds. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to show up everywhere if you link to it. So yeah, I'm not going to do it. Um, but please let me know. I'm not the only one. That's what I, that's what I have to say. I think you're the only one. Um, so my one more thing, I need you to go to YouTube. Um, Uh-oh, this is always good. Uh, this week, I, I, you know, I, I like to keep up on some of the stuff that's happened on the YouTubes, um, especially with our buddy at Jared Buckendall. But also uh, other things with, uh, you know, the the general happenings. And I'm a big fan of uh, one, The Rock, the great one, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And so I I saw that he had a brief appearance on the Tonight Show this week, and I, I watched the video. And it was it was nice. He uh, he 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 challenged uh, Jimmy to uh, Jimmy Fallon to uh, pull a boulder that's apparently on the Titan Games show, which I don't watch. And Jimmy successfully does it with some help. But I, I listened to the end of this video, and I heard something a little per, little uh, peculiar peculiar uh, in this video. I have no idea. It's up to you. Merry Christmas. Love your brother. Bye. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> That's awesome. So. Here, come uh, on. I'm going to play it again. I'm going to play it again. I have no idea. It's up to you. Merry Christmas. Love your brother. Bye. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. It seems to me that uh, one Dwayne The Rock Johnson has stolen my copyrighted catchphrase. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That fucker owes you money. He owes me money. So, uh, Rock, I need you to pay up. <laughs> that is fucking, that's the coolest one more thing we have ever had. I love it. <laughs> but I'm down to one more, one more thing. And that is going to bring us to the end of a, a big show. <laughs> big, 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 big show. Uh, thanks for sticking with us through it all. Uh, we had a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Uh, react to everything we talked about today in on Twitter, underscore Cody Michael, at Seth Oat, at Soko Show Pod, uh, or comment on uh, wherever it is you're listening to this podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you can get new episodes every Friday uh, and, and keep up with what we got going on on the show. Lots of exciting stuff to come, Super Bowl stuff in the coming weeks, as well as Oscar stuff. Uh, great time. Great time for the SoCo show. We're having a lot of fun. So uh, again, interact with us however you see fit. Don't forget to hit up our sponsors, audibletrial.com slash SoCo, 30 days in your first book for free. Beep. Mathis Designs, etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs. Cha-ching. And Mike's Wood, etsy.com slash shop slash corn fed and wed. Disgusting. Uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us again. This was episode 78 of the SoCo show for the SoHo Seth Ott. This has been the co-host Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. If you smell. <laughs>
Oh my god.